to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Thanks, Pax. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, Paxton has always been a gifted worship pastor. You know, some folks are worship leaders. I was a song leader whenever I was growing up in the Nazarene church, but he's a worship pastor, which means just as we did this morning, he will pastor you and bring you into the presence of God. And that's what we experienced. So Paxton, thanks a lot, buddy. Um, Yeah, so those of you who don't know me, I'm an elder here at at the church at Bushland. Sydney, I've been here for about, I think, 12, 12 or 14 years, something like that. I'm also an attorney, and I've been a full-time preacher and I was on the State Board of Education, so I'm a politician. So I can pretty well finish any joke you start (laughs) with regard to lawyers, preachers, or politicians, right? So I can do that. But I went to Texas Tech, so you can tell me all the Aggie jokes that you want to tell me, okay? So guns up, Red Raiders. So anyway, but what we're going to do today, I appreciate Pastor Jeff inviting me to come uh, fill the pulpit because it's such a blessing to be here uh, with all of you. We're going to do something that's one of my favorite biblical exercises, one of my favorite things to do, and that is to go into the Old Testament and look at uh, something that's described, a concept that's described in intricate detail in the Old Testament, events, circumstances. In this instance, we'll be talking about the tabernacle of Moses, described in intricate detail, and to dig into that that concept, that Old Testament concept, and bring it into our lives today to show how that Old Testament concept speaks of God the Father, His plan of redemption, His Son Jesus Christ, everything in the Old Testament. Colossians 2.17 says that everything in the Old Testament, these images, were a shadow of things to come, the substance of which is Christ, right? So that whenever you're reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five books of the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament, actually, as you're reading it, what is inherently interesting to me, and I hope to you as well, is to look at how that portrays Jesus, what that says about the Father, and what it says about His Son, Jesus Christ, because it always will. It will always speak about Jesus and what He's done for us. Um, So, quick illustration about what I'm talking about. Noah and the flood, right? Common Old Testament occurrence. I believe it actually occurred. I don't believe that it's allegory, that, you know, just uh, symbolic things. I believe it actually occurred. But I also think that it speaks of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, because what happened was sin was abounding throughout the earth. God had created man. He said, I kind of regret that I even did this. I just sin everywhere. So he's a holy God, and he must judge sin. At some point, sin can't live in the presence of a holy God. That's just a biblical concept. And so he said, I'm going to have to judge the earth just because sin is abounding here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to appear to a chosen person. In this instance, it was a guy named Noah. And I'm going to speak to this chosen person. 
and I'm going to give him a mission. I'm going to give him an assignment. I'm going to give him a call on his life. And that call is I'm going to ask him to build this ark. And I'm going to tell him to take pairs of all of the animals of creation, two of each, and to bring him onto that ark. And then I'm going to bring this flood. And then as long as he and his family are in that ark, then they will escape the impending judgment. Right? The flood was judgment on sin. The ark was the safe place. That was that place of security that God brought his chosen people, Noah and his family. By the way, there were eight of them. Eight is the number of new beginnings. By the way, in the Old Testament, seven is the number of completion. Eight is the number of new beginnings. So eight folks on the, in, in the ark, and the ark is representative of Jesus, right? Because we come into us and creation, and that's the picture, all the animals represent creation. Noah represents his chosen people. So they go into the ark. God pours out his judgment upon the earth and upon man and upon creation. But those that are within the ark, those that are within the, the covenant, then they rose above the judgment for 40 days and 40 nights. They rose above the judgment. And then when the waters receded, God brought them out into a new life, into a new beginning. So you see how that's a picture of Jesus, those who are in Jesus, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we come into that protective covenant that we have with him. We rise above the judgment of sin because we're no longer sinful, we're righteous in in Jesus Christ. We rise above that. God sets us into a new life with a new creation and a new beginning. Okay, Old Testament concept being brought forward into a New Testament application, New Testament believers. Okay, so today, what I want us to do, I want us to look at uh, what is described in very intricate detail uh, in the book of Exodus. And so you can turn in your Bibles to Exodus 25, verses 1 and 2 is where we're going to start. Let me set the context here. So God appeared, God's, the children of Israel, God's chosen people were in slavery in Egypt right? And Pharaoh was oppressing them, causing all these problems, but they continued to abound because God's blessing was on them. So God called this man Moses and gave him a a calling in his life. He said, Moses, I want you to go and want you to deliver my people. You all know the story. Pharaoh refused to let him go. There were 12 plagues, lice, frogs, darkness, water turned to blood, 12 of them, bad time, right? And so finally, Pharaoh says, okay, get out of here. You know, I'm done. You, you go. Go wherever you want to go. I don't care. Just get out of my kingdom. So Moses takes the children of Israel. They're headed for the promised land. It's about a three-week journey, right, from coming out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea to get to, to, get to the promised land. It takes them 40 years, <laughs> right? The reason it took them 40 years is because when God brought them right there to the edge of it, they said, eh, those giants, there's giants in those lands. I don't think we want to go. And God said, okay, since y'all don't want to go, I'm going to spend the next 40 years teaching you and your children how to obey me, right? I'm going to teach you about my ways. I'm going to teach you about following my instruction. I'm going to teach you about faith. I'm going to teach you about obedience. And so here we go, 40 years in the wilderness. So during that 40 years, though, God appears to Moses, and this is Exodus 25, 1 and 2. Let's read it out of the Bible. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. By the way, these offerings were the plunder that they took from Egypt. Not only did Pharaoh and Egypt release them, they paid them to leave. (laughs) 
It's pretty good. You're a slave here. I'm going to pay you to leave. I don't want to hear. Just pay you to leave. So they gave them gold. They gave them fine jewels. They gave them all these fabrics. They gave them all these riches. And so whenever the children of Israel, 650,000 men plus women and children, they're carrying all this gold out of Egypt whenever, whenever they left. That's not something that you see immediately, but that, that's what happened. And so God says, okay, you know all that stuff y'all took from Egypt? I want you to bring it, and I want you to make me a tabernacle. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about, the tabernacle of Moses. It's also called the tent of meeting, the tent of meeting, because as we'll see, that's where God met with his people. Okay, that's why they call it the tent of meeting. Here it is, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary. Underline this. If you underline stuff in your Bible, it's okay to underline stuff in your Bible. In fact, you probably should, right? But it says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That I may dwell among them. Underline that part, that I might dwell among them because it tells us that this God, this holy God, God of creation, God of the the 12 plagues, the the God of, of almighty God wanted to dwell among his people. Even in the Old Testament, Old Testament God wanted to dwell among his people. And so he tells them, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. So, so he, he tells Moses, okay, I want you to do this, this, and this. I want you to get skilled artisans. I want you to get skilled craftsmen. I want you to get all these, these skilled people. And I want you to make this tabernacle exactly like I tell you to make it. We'll talk about why that's important in just a minute, but we've got a diagram of that tabernacle that I've asked the guys to, to put up. Should be coming up, coming up. I want to just take a look. We could spend a month studying all about the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon. We could, it's basically the same, but the tabernacle of Moses, this is a picture of it, right, in living color. And so God had first, he put, had them put a curtain, put a wall around. Now, by the way, it's portable, right? It's portable because they're wandering in the, in the wilderness. So what God would do is he would appear to them in, in a cloud and the cloud would settle over the holy, most holy place. And then when he was ready to go, the cloud would lift and all the priests would pack up this structure. And they would they'd put all the furnishings together with very specific details. They had to have these poles. You couldn't touch the things. They had to have these poles. They went out ahead of all the children of Israel, 1.2 million people, something like that, wandering around in the wilderness. And what's leading them is this structure right here that's portable. So there's curtains and, and there's furnishings, all these, these articles in the, in the tabernacle of Moses. Okay, so just very quickly, you see that uh, the gate right there uh, in, in the left-hand corner, that gate is called the way, okay? That was the way into the tent of meeting, the way into the tabernacle of Moses, the outer, that's the outer courtyard. So only children of Israel, only God's chosen people could come into the outer courtyard, but they had to come through the way, Okay. We'll get to that in a minute. You're already registering with some of that. They had to come through the gate, through the way, into the outer courtyard. First thing that you see in the outer courtyard is the bronze altar. That's that big square thing right there, the bronze altar. It continually had fire. It continually had embers and fire that was burning there the whole time because anytime the children of Israel were to make an offering, and there were a lot of offerings they were supposed to make, Whenever they were to make a burnt offering, they were to bring that burnt offering. Only children of Israel came into the, through the way in the gate. They come there and they present their offering to the priests. And the priests then would sacrifice that, that 
that offering, the animal typically, and would put it up on that altar and it would, they would burn it. Just burn it completely. It's called a burnt offering. It was bronze. Bronze in the Old Testament is symbolic of judgment. Okay, bronze is always symbolic of judgment. And so this was an altar that was made out of bronze. And so it's a picture, right? It's a picture of God's judgment being placed upon Jesus, our burnt offering, so that we could come into his presence. You see that? We enter into the courtyard. First thing that we see is is the, the burnt offering, the sacrifice of Jesus, because he was our sacrifice. His blood was shed for us so that we might come into the presence of a holy God. Makes sense? So that's that, that's that, the, the bronze altar. The next thing, and this was for the priest to do, the next thing was you would progress. This is also a picture of our progression in Christ. Okay, that's for another message. But, but the, you would progress to the next point, and the priest would come upon, see that blue, round blue basin? It's called the bronze laver. It was a basin of water, and it was made out of the mirrors of the women from Egypt. So it was made out of mirrors, and it was this brown laver, and it's filled with water. And what the priests were instructed to do is that they would come to that bronze laver, and they would bend over it, and they would wash their hands and their feet. Okay? They washed their hands and their feet. As they did that, they looked into this reflection of them, which is us looking into the Word of God, the law, perfect law of liberty, it says in James. We look into that and we see what manner of person we are. Now, we're already clean, by the way, because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has made us, has made us uh, whole and, and, and righteous. But our, our hands, which represent our works, and our feet, which represent our walk, right, our daily walk, our hands and feet need to be cleansed on a regular basis. Remember, whenever Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, he said, you're already clean, but let me do this for you. He's washing their feet. The reason he's washing their feet is he wants to consecrate their walk, right? Their daily walk, everywhere they go. So we're called, as New Testament Christians, to come into that labor, to look into the mirror and to see the reflection of ourselves in light of the gospel of Christ. And then we wash our hands, our works. We wash our feet, our walk, and we're ready to advance to the next place. See, Old Testament, New Testament. There you go. Then, so when we came in, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but we came in to the holy place, which is inside that curtain, those red and white purple curtains right there. You come into the holy place, and at that point on the left, you see the golden lampstand. The golden lampstand was always burning with olive oil. It was fueled by olive oil. That's the Holy Spirit. That's a picture. It it had seven, seven pillars. Jesus was in the center. The rest of it is the church. Right? It's a picture of the church in the presence of God. Our light always burning. We're shedding, shining forth the light of the gospel in the presence of God, being fueled by the oil of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, oil typically represents the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's that picture. Straight ahead of us would be the altar of incense. That's where incense would be burning continually and the smoke would be rising up. That represents intercessory prayer. Okay? It was a pleasing aroma to God. God would smell that incense and go, oh, that's a pleasing Roman. That's the prayers of, of his son, Jesus Christ, interceding for us, but also our prayers going up to him. On the right would be uh, the table of showbread. 
12 loaves of, of bread on this golden table, and it represented the children of Israel, the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, being in the presence of God. It also represents us being able to commune with God because bread, you know, we break bread. Jesus said in Revelation 3, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with, him, in with him and I will dine with him. I will sup with him, right? So it's this picture of us sitting in an intimate um, environment with, G, with God, partaking of the life, the bread. So the bread we call the, we call the life, okay? You're probably already ahead of me. John 4, 16 says, Jesus said, I am the way, right? Coming through the, the gate. I am the truth. I look at the, look at the labor and I see the truth of the word. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We come into the holy, the holy, of holy, or the holy place and we eat that bread. Jesus is the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father, which is the next place, the holy of holies, but by me. Huh, cool. So just that verse that you've heard all the time, that's a, old te- that's a reference to the Old Testament, the tabernacle of Moses. And the children of Israel would hear that and go, oh, we get that, right? Because we know what the way is. We know what the truth is. We know what the life is, the bread of life. And no one comes into the Father but by Jesus, okay? So now we're ready to come into the Holy of Holies, the holy place. And only the high priest could come in there once a year and offer a blood sacrifice on behalf of the children of Israel. Only the high priest could come in there. And so the high priest would, would come in there. And by the way, they would tie a bell, uh, I mean, a rope around his, his ankle and bells on his, on his outfit because if the bells ever stopped ringing, you would know that the priest hadn't consecrated himself properly and he was dead because he had to be totally consecrated to come into the presence of God. So they'd say, you hear a bell? No, I don't hear a bell. I hadn't heard a bell. I hadn't heard a bell in a while. Start tugging on this rope. You know, if the guy kicks, no, I'm still here. You know, I'm just being quiet. It's a joke, sorry. But anyway, so but that, that's the truth because he had to be totally consecrated to come into the holy of holies, the holy place, right? And then the holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, right? Is where God dwelt, the Ark of the Covenant. It was a big box, solid or covered with gold, big box, and, and inside of it, it had three things. It had the jar of manna. Remember the bread, the manna, had the jar of manna. It had the Ten Commandments, original Ten Commandments, and it had Aaron's rod that budded. Read about it, Google it, Aaron's rod that budded. You'll see what it is. Those are examples of man's rebellion against God. Ten Commandments, God had to give the law because man rebelled. Aaron's rod that budded, they were questioning leadership. So that was there. The jar of manna, they said, oh, to Moses, hey, you brought us out here to die. You need to feed us. So it's a jar of manna. So the three items in the Ark of the Covenant, it was like a big box in the Ark of the Covenant, three items represented man's rebellion against God, okay? But the lid of the, of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat. It was a solid gold lid that fit on top. It had two cherubim that were like this, seraphim that were these angels, but it sat on top and it was called the mercy seat. The mercy of God over the articles of man's rebellion. See that? Feel, feel free to applaud at any time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't, don't do it now. It's a, no, it's cheap. Um, but, but, you know, it, but that's, what it, that's what it represents. It represents the mercy, the mercy of God over man's rebellion. So that, that's, that's an Old Testament picture 
describe in intricate detail of a New Testament concept, a New Testament truth for us. So we know that whenever we're concerned about rebellious kids or us being rebellious or anything, oh no, God's mercy covers over that, right? And we can come into that presence. We can be there because of everything that Jesus did for us, okay? So again, that's a whole different study, but it just kind of gives you a glimpse of that whole picture. So here's the deal. Okay, so whenever, whenever God said to Moses, make me this sanctuary because I want to dwell among my people. I'm gonna to touch on that in just a minute. We have uh, two adorable grandkids. I was gonna put photos up there, up, up there, but that's another way to get cheap applause and I'm not gonna to resort to that, okay? But Salem and Lucy, Salem is three, Lucy is one. You know, it happens that they happen to live with my kids in Dallas, right? Michael and Meredith and then Teresa also, my daughter lives over in Dallas. So they're all in Dallas, right? So Cindy and I frequently go to Dallas to see the kids ostensibly, but actually to be around the grandkids, right? If you don't have grandkids, get you some, right? They're the best thing going. You need to have, need to have, everybody needs to have grandkids. So, so we go to Dallas periodically and we're driving around there not too long ago and we were talking about, would we ever move to Dallas? We have friends that, you know, have upped their family. I mean, not their family, they've upped themselves, sold their house, moved to Dallas to be around their grandkids and their kids, right? And Cindy said, so, you ever think we'd move here? And I said, absolutely not. I don't like anything about Dallas, okay? This will earn me booze. I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, okay? Yeah, Green Bay Packer. Yeah, I've been a Packer fan all my life. I've been ridiculed, criticized, much like Noah. You know, I'm following God, get criticized. No, but I don't, I don't like anything about Dallas. I don't like the traffic. I don't, if you're from Dallas, I'm sorry. God bless you. Um, but I don't like the traffic. I don't like the humidity. And I said, no, sweetheart, I don't. Why, why would we, we want to do that? And Cindy said, to be around our grandkids, right? To dwell amongst them. Hello? To dwell amongst them. I said, well, yeah, you know, because our, our desire is to be around those that we love, our kids and our grandkids, to be around them and to instruct them in all the ways of wisdom, make sure they don't root for the Cowboys and root for the Packers when he's going up to Salem. <laughs> but, you know, to instruct them in the ways of wisdom, you know, and just to enjoy them, just to enjoy their presence. When we go over there, we don't have anything planned. We don't have any activities. We don't have to do it. We just enjoy their presence. You just like hanging around with them. That's a picture of our God, by the way, building this tabernacle. He's going, you know, I want to instruct them. You know, I want to, I want to guide them. I want to impart to them wisdom. I want to impart to them truth. But I just like being around them. And so God says, build me this tabernacle. Build me this, this, this tent of meeting so that I can be around my kids. And he still carries that out for us today. Okay, so quickly, moving on. Um, okay, um, when we see the plan of redemption... And when we see God's, God's uh, concept here about how we move into his presence, there's another aspect of it that, that might escape us sometimes. And, and I, I want to teach about that in just a minute. Um, God said, make this exactly the way I'm instructing you to make it. And the reason is, it is an exact duplicate of where God dwells in heaven today. I'll pause and let you think about that. It is an exact duplicate of where God dwells in heaven today. I can prove it to you. Go to Hebrews 8, okay? Hebrews, the eighth chapter. 
verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 8, 1 and 2, and then we'll look at, look at verse 5. But Hebrews 8, 1 and 2 says, now this is the main point of the things we we're saying. Seven chapters of Hebrews. You can read those. He gets to chapter 8, verse 1. Now this is the main point of everything we're telling you. We have such a high priest, that's Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now we all know from looking at our Bible that whenever Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and then ascended to the Father, that he went to sit at the right hand of the Father. He's sitting at the right hand of God, right? That's what this is referring to. Forever to make intercession for us. That's what he says. Sits there and makes intercession for us. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. Look at this. A ministry of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. He's talking about that tabernacle of Moses. He's talking about its exact duplicate of the tabernacle of Moses. Man erected that one. God erected the one in heaven. And that's where God is sitting right now. Verse eight, there are priests who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. He's talking about the articles, right? The heavenly things, the earthly things. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, God said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Okay? So it's an exact duplicate. Look at another scripture right quick. Hebrews 9, 23 and 24. This kind of solidifies it. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, talking about the blood of bulls and goats, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Who? Jesus. His. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Woohoo! Right? So, so whenever we're thinking about, where's Jesus? Hmm, wonder where Jesus is. Well, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Where's the Father? The Father's in this heavenly sanctuary, the throne room, the throne of God, where the presence of God dwells. This is in heaven. This is in the heavenly realm. God's sitting here. Jesus is sitting on the right, uh, the right hand. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus is working here today in us, here on earth, right? So God said, I'll be with you. Jesus said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll send a comforter. I'll send you my spirit, my spirit, and he will guide you into all truth. That's the Holy Spirit. So, you know, Trinity, tripart, triune God. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is sitting at his right hand, awaiting the word from the Father. Go get, go get your bride, right? Second coming of Christ, go get your bride. Whole another series, you know, go, go get your bride. And then the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin and leading us into righteousness. He's actually the attendant to the groom, to Jesus, and he's preparing his bride. Again, whole another series. But that's the idea. Everybody kind of got that? So I'm just telling you literally, in the spiritual sense, literally, God is sitting in this heavenly sanctuary. Jesus is sitting in his right hand and he's forever interceding for us. That's what it says, where he forever makes intercession for us. Whew, that's pretty good. You know, and, and what that means is, so Marty's out here, you know, kicking the dog and yelling at his wife again, you know, and, and God goes, whoa, what, what, what Marty down there? And he goes, oh, no, let, let, let me intercede for him. You know, he, he's doing his best. He only did it twice this week. I'm, I'm kidding. I, I really don't. 
I mean, he's interceding on our behalf, right? He's in, in, in imploring God. He's advocating God. Oh, I know, but you know, Marty's covered by my blood. God goes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I won't cast down, you know, hail on his head or whatever, <laughs> right? So he, he, and God's not that way anyway. I shouldn't have said that. But, but that's the idea. God's forever interceding. So whenever we stumble, whenever we fall, whenever we're, we're not, our works and our walk are not what they should be, Jesus is there in the throne room of God interceding on our behalf, okay? Great picture, good concept. Okay, so let, let me t- make one more point about that. Um, so Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, right? Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. There's an invitation for us to come into that place. There's an invitation for us to come into that presence. I believe we will also be welcomed into the presence of God, into that throne room, when the new heavens and the new earth are, are uh, manifest here, right? But even in the meantime, in a spiritual sense, right? Our spirits, in a spiritual sense, we can come into that throne room because we're, we're told that in the Bible. Look at Hebrews 4, uh, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Talking about Jesus, right? Verse 16, let us therefore, right, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's talking about the heavenly sanctuary. That's talking about us coming into the presence of God, into that place where we might obtain help and mercy in time of need. Okay, that's what that's speaking to. In the Greek, the tense of that come into his presence, the Greek is called the present subjunctive. You can write that down. Learn some Greek today. The present subjunctive tense, and it means come and keep on coming. On just one time, it says, come and keep on coming. The Greek has all these tenses. Jesus, it's the same tense that Jesus used when he said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. The literal translation of that is, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Come and keep on coming. Okay? So you see, it's a continual process. At any moment. We did it this morning. We did it this morning. I know... There's a corporate anointing. Whenever Paxton and the worship band leads, there's a corporate anointing that takes place when we all join together. You know how it is. We get to that point. We all join together and you're going, whoo, this is good. Woo, you know, here we go. Get to that point. We're coming into the presence of God. Our spirit man, right? Our spirit person is, is soaring above this place and he's coming into, we're coming into the heavenly realm. We're coming into that place to receive help and mercy in time of need. That's what's going on, right? In our daily quiet time, we have the opportunity just to get quiet before God and just to come into that, come into his presence, come into that place where he has invited us to obtain help and mercy in time of need. Whatever the need is, whatever lack, whatever necessity, whatever want, whatever desire, and according to his will, he will meet you there and will provide it to you because Jesus has paved the way. Jesus has made the way for that to occur. Okay, everybody good with that? Okay, so I promised I'd make this applicable to us as New Testament believers, right? So, so here it is. Um, 
God sits in that heavenly tabernacle with Jesus sitting at his right hand, advocating on our behalf. In the meantime, the Holy Spirit is urging us, guiding us, directing us, leading us into all truth, showing us the way in order to come into his presence. So that when we pray, when we worship, when we praise the Lord, everything comes together to that place where we're in his presence. I like to do this in my quiet time in the morning. I don't suggest you do it when you're driving because you, know, you can get carried away. But, but in, in my quiet time in the morning, I like to just sit down, turn off the music, right? Praise music is great, but just turn off the music, get quiet, get in a place by yourself, and just, just say, Father, I just want to come into your presence right now. I just want to come into your presence. I've got this need. I've got this desire. I just want to come into your presence. So I'll begin with just, just picturing those articles in the, in the tabernacle. You know, I come, into the, I come in through the door because I'm, uh, I'm a descendant of Abraham in Christ. Right? I, I'm, I'm a children of Israel, a child of Israel. I'm entitled to go in because of what Jesus did. I'm engrafted into the family of God. So I come into that place, and the first thing's the bronze altar, and I just say, Jesus, thank you so much for being the ultimate and complete sacrifice. You are, you are the ultimate and complete sacrifice. I don't have to sacrifice anymore. I don't have to be on that cross even though I deserve it. I don't have to. You have died for my sin, and you have died for my sins. Both, okay? Sin, sin nature, sins, acts of omission or commission. He's died for both of those already. Jesus, thank you. I'm at that altar. Thank you very much. I come to the, the laver, and I, I bend over. Jesus, Lord, Father, consecrate my hands. Consecrate my work. Concentrate my feet. Wash my feet. Consecrate my walk so that I'm pleasing to you in all that I do. And then I go into the holy place, right? Go into that holy place. I look over on the left. Father, I thank you for the light of the gospel, the lampstand, the light of your gospel. I thank you for the fuel of the Holy Spirit that fuels me as a body of Christ, as part of the church. Thank you that you fuel me by your Holy Spirit. I turn and I see the altar of incense right there and I see the smoke going up, right? And it's the prayers of the saints, but it's also the prayer, the intercessory prayer of Jesus going up as a fragrant aroma into the nostrils of God. Then I look over and there's the table of showbread, the bread of life. I eat of that, it's broken. Jesus' body was broken for me. I eat of that bread of life and it gives me life. So then I move in to the holy place, the holy of holies, the tabernacle, the holy of holies, that place where the Ark of the Covenant dwells. And that's when we're in the presence of God. And I remember what's in that Ark, the, the articles of rebellion, the sin of rebellion of man. And I thank you, Father, that your mercy covers over my rebellious heart. Your sin, cover, I mean, your, your, uh, your covenant covers over that sin that I would commit as I rebel against you. Typically, though, honestly, by the time you're in that point, you don't even remember what you were going to ask. <laughs> you know, you really don't. And, and, and it's not just your imagination. It's your spirit, man. I'm telling you, your spirit, the, the Holy Spirit intercedes with our spirit so that we might know that we're children of God. It's your spirit person up there in the, in the presence of Him. The title of this message is Face to Face with the Holy God. Right? Face to face the Holy God. In the old covenant, unless we were a priest and unless we were you know, consecrated and all the things, did everything we we're supposed to in the old covenant, unless we had done all that, we couldn't have got to that point. In the new covenant, under the New Testament, we're allowed to come in because of the blood and body of Jesus Christ. So that when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
it opens the way for you to come into his presence. Woo! Praise God. Amen? Good. Thanks. Okay. All right. Last, last scripture, I promise. Hebrews 10. We're coming in for a landing. Okay? We're not closing. We're coming into a landing. Okay. Hebrews 10, last scripture, verse 19. Close with this. Therefore, brethren. Okay. That's us. We're all brethren and sistren. Right? All, all the part of the family. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. Not just that old gate. It's a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Look at this, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's because of what Jesus has done for us. That's the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the Son of God, and God the Father all melding together to show us the way. Okay? Good. Okay, if you would, stand for just a moment. And if the altar ministers would come, I would appreciate that. Um, okay, so this I, this kind of message is not one that, that necessarily uh, evokes a, um, a salvation response, but there may be some people here who say, you know, I don't know about all that. I don't know about Jesus. I'd like to have a way to find out about that. And if that's you... Then, then come forward here in just a moment whenever the band begins to play. Come forward. And these couples, they're prayed up and they're ready to go. You know, they're, they're ready to pray for you. They'll walk you through the, the plan of salvation. They'll bring you into that covenant place with God. If you already know Christ, if you've already known Jesus, and if you know the, the Father through a relationship with Jesus Christ, then this altar call, this altar ministry time, is, is for you to respond to whatever the Lord laid on your heart or lays on your heart as you just ask him, Father, what do you want to do in me? Okay? It says in the book of Matthew, if any two of you shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done unto you. Right? And so they're, these altar ministers, they're ready to come into a prayer of agreement with you. They'll agree with you in prayer. You can stand in faith and you can go into the presence of God and invite him into whatever area of your life you'd like that to be done. If you don't like to come forward, who does, right? (laughs) You don't like to come forward, turn around with somebody there around you and agree in prayer with them. That's part of the function of the church is to come into agreement with one another, right? So when the Holy Spirit's working on you, saying something, witnessing to your spirit, just turn to somebody and say, you know, would you pray with me about this? Just right there. And then the two of you will come into agreement as touching that thing in the name of Jesus, and it's going to be done. It's going to be done unto you. That's how it works, right? You know, we serve a mighty, mighty God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us so that we can come into his presence and so that he can dwell amongst us. So let's allow him to have a free reign with us this morning. Amen. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.